a low Googleization nation. Welcome to Better Leaders, Better Workplaces, a GGG Unleashed podcast with thought leader Vivian Blaine. I'm Ira Wolf. And I'm Jason Cochran. In each of Vivian's episodes, we'll cover the latest trends and emerging practices around creating resilient workplaces. Let's begin. Hello, and welcome back to GGG Unleashed, Better Leaders, Better Workplaces. I'm Vivian Blade, President and CEO of Experts in Growth Leadership Consulting and a recognized leadership and resilience thought leader. On this podcast, you'll get the latest insights and proven strategies to to help you solve the pressing turnover, burnout, and workplace culture challenges your company is struggling with right now. So if you're an HR leader or a business leader, you don't want to miss an episode. All right, so the pace of change and your workload, by the way, none of that is is going away anytime soon. And there are surprises that come up at work every day, things that you didn't necessarily anticipate. In a lot of my workshops and uh, in my coaching with clients, I often hear them make comments like these. They'll say things like, oh, there's so much going on. It just seems like we've had one wave after another of challenges. If it's not one thing, it's something else. I check one thing off my list and I add five more. People are just worn out and burned out. Does any of this sound familiar? This experience is widespread. According to research by SAS, a resilience gap does exist. Their survey of global business executives found that while 97% of respondents believe business resilience is important, only 47% believe their organization is resilient. Some of the areas executives are most concerned about include things like driving digital transformation or inflation and economic challenges, attracting and retaining talent. That's just to name a few. These are areas that I know you're concerned about too. SAS also found that while most business leaders are confident about increasing resiliency in their companies in the future, that they think that they presumably can close that gap, but to do so, it's going to require them to have some guidance in how to implement an effective resiliency strategy. For organizations to be resilient, you have to be in a position to both anticipate potential disruptions and to be able to respond and to adapt quickly. You need to ensure there's continuity in your operations to take care of customers, to protect your assets, to protect your brand, and most importantly, to protect the well-being of your human capital. Your ability to adapt well makes a difference in the levels of stress, anxiety, overwhelm, and burnout that you and the people on your team are going to experience. Today's guest, retired Colonel Charlie Davis, is going to share his experiences as a military leader and ideas for how we can apply his lessons learned for ourselves personally and organizationally. Colonel Davis has over three decades of dedicated service in the U.S. Army and U.S. intelligence community, having held multiple sensitive roles within the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, and Central Intelligence Agency, CIA. He is a fascinating person and extraordinary human being. 
I'm excited for you to hear from him. Because I don't want you to miss anything Charlie shared with me, I'm bringing you this interview in two episodes. This episode is part one. Enjoy. Charlie, thank you so much for being with us today. And first of all, I want to thank you for your service to our country. Well, thank you for the intro, Vivian. I am honored to be here. When you asked me to be in your podcast, I jumped at the chance to be able to share the experiences that I've had over, as you mentioned, three decades in the military. And I'm hopeful that what I can share today will have meaning to your audience and they can take that into their lives and make their lives better. Give you a little background on me so you, uh, so yeah. everyone knows where I'm coming from. Yeah, jump um, right in. Thank you. So three decades in the military. My career is a little different than when you think of an army officer joining out of college. Started out in the infantry doing normal, typical army things, but rapidly uh, transitioned into the intelligence world, really uh, right around 9-11, right after 9-11. I decided that I thought I could make a difference at the national level. I, I felt intuitively that that's where I should be. So I, I really switched uh, career fields and decided to go in that direction. And really, since 9-11, I've worked at the strategic level. So as you mentioned, both CIA and DIA has been my experience as an operations officer. And what that really means for your audience is essentially running uh, clandestine agents overseas, either personally or, in my case, most often leading organizations whose mission it is to run clandestine agents overseas. And in that experience, it was phenomenal. I was really grateful for the chance to do it and to try to make a difference in our world, you know, for our country, but really for the world. That's kind of how I saw it. And so I'm looking forward to sharing, sharing more about what I learned with resilience from that. Good. Excellent. Excellent. And tell us a little bit how that has you know, you are recently retired. And so what is some of the work that you're doing today? So after retiring, I've only been retired about six months now. I started thinking about what I wanted to do after I retired really a couple of years ago and actually wasn't sure what that would look like. And so I actually hired a life coach to kind of help me think about what my future purpose might be. Mm -hmm. And working with her for several years, I realized that I had this chance. I had this chance to not only start a business, which I do consulting still with the intelligence community. I also do life coaching and things like that. And so I've been able to really almost do the same things I did in the military, but I feel like I have more choice now, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. vice uh, in the military. So that's what I'm doing. It's yeah, really excellent. Great. Excellent. Good. And I know you're, you're able to make it such a great impact from your experience and working with people uh, in this way. So good. Well, you know, I want to dig into these fascinating experiences that you have. And really, you know, as I think about the military and given that role in military leadership, I know often there's this persona that, you know, you've, you've got to be a person who is extremely resilient and that you are, that you're strong, that you're confident, that you take charge of any kind of situation that you're in. 
And as we were chatting before the interview, you mentioned that you had experienced a shift in how you thought about and experienced resilience about five years ago, as you mentioned. And so can you tell us more about how resilience has really become an important part of your life and, and how has that shaped your definition of resilience? Absolutely. So really five or six years ago, I was actually deployed to Afghanistan. I was there for a year. Um, which is always really challenging being taken out of your, your normal life and, and going into a war zone to do that. In that particular experience, I was in charge of all of the intelligence activities in the country, both human intelligence and counterintelligence activities. Very stressful, exciting, but very stressful. And I noticed, you know, you mentioned this culture of the, of the military. You know, there is this persona of everyone is strong. Everyone is stressors don't affect them and things like that. But it, I saw that it really wasn't true. It not only wasn't true for the people who I was leading, it really wasn't true for me either. And what I discovered, you know, by not talking about the stressors that we're, we're experiencing in our lives, and, and we, we used to joke in the military, like, oh, we pack it down and we don't ever talk about these things. For me, it really became untenable. And what I mean by that is I was no longer capable of not talking about these stressors anymore. It wasn't personally healthy. And I could see it was not healthy for the men and women that I was leading. And so I really set an intentional approach to talk about what we were feeling. And I knew that the people I was leading would not do it if they didn't see their leaders doing the same. So I decided to to really talk about what we were experiencing, the stress of it, and you know, showing them that the colonel is experiencing the same thing that they're experiencing, the same anxiety, the same stress, being willing to be vulnerable with that, show them that they could be vulnerable too. And it's important to, for me to have set a really a culture where people could be vulnerable and they could talk about it especially without judgment. You know, you'll hear me talk a lot about that when I talk to people about being vulnerable and so they can share, create real connection. You know, that's kind of a very Brene Brown kind of idea, which I love of creating that vulnerability because it creates true connection with humans. Um, and what, that, what I saw happen for us in the war zone, we, we started to trust each other even more because we started to rely on each other at a whole nother level than just leaders and subordinates who have a mission to go do things. We were now actually closer and stronger. And so when somebody was doing a, a very difficult activity and they weren't feeling good about it, they could come to anyone, even their leaders or their subordinates and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling about this. What do you think? And we were able to work through those challenges. And I found it really built a stronger, more cohesive, and more resilience within, within that atmosphere. As we close out part one of my interview with Charlie, he's given us a perspective of what a culture of resilience feels like. And as a leader, how to set the stage for that kind of culture to develop. We'll have Charlie back for part two next month as we explore how to lead the culture shift in an organization.
You can also hear more from Charlie about his experiences in the upcoming virtual Meet the Guest event on Tuesday, November 28th at noon Eastern Time. The link to register is in the show notes. Be sure to join us and bring your questions. Charlie's contact information is in the show notes as well, so you can connect with him. You'll also find a resilience resource in the show notes that you can use within your organization. Thanks so much for joining me today. I work with organizations to build better leaders and better workplaces. Let's work together to enhance yours. And connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always sharing resources and generating conversations about the topics we talk about on this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. If you're ready to elevate your leadership or would like to bring an inspiring message to your conference or a corporate event, let's have a conversation. I'm here to help. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and learning how to develop better leaders and better workplaces. We'll be back next month with Vivian for another episode. But until then, you can access some of Vivian's resources by visiting her website, VivianPlay.com. And remember, don't let the shift hit your plans.